The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's The List and your boy with Jimmy Van and Sean Ross. All right, you guys are live. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp here, managing editor of Fightful.com. It is November 29th. This is the, what, 48th edition of Listen, Your Boy. It's almost the one-year mark, Jimmy. Yeah, your favorite day of the week, too. I know it is. It is, and I've said this before, like, this usually signifies like the the end of my week, kind of like sort things, of. yeah, like sort of. I mean, it never pay per view, really ends, Raw SmackDown, yeah, 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 yeah all yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not not this week. We got our boy James Lynch on the scene at yeah. UFC 218. There are NXT tapings tonight. Those are always very interesting, very telling. Not only that, Jimmy, a lot of our wrestling fans won't appreciate this, but there's a UFC Tough finale this Friday okay. because of the World Series. They didn't get to broadcast all their episodes on time. The last episode is tonight. They only have four fights announced for that show right now. Oh, really? So we're going to be posting a bunch of articles about those announcements. Okay. James Lynch is out there. We've got NXT spoilers tonight. This might be the wildest Wednesday night that we have in uh, at Fightful. Not only that, we got a bunch of articles coming out of that hour-long Dana White scrum that he did yesterday. That was very enlightening. So uh, you guys that are, you know, Probably mostly wrestling fans and not MMA fans. James Lynch, James Lynch is at UFC 218 in Detroit. We're told CM Punk is going to be there. And uh, James has press credentials, and I basically told him, do what you can to talk to Punk. And so yeah. if you're not an MMA fan, you'll be a wrestling fan to know that he has that opportunity. Um, so first of all, Sean, U.S. Thanksgiving. Well, before, before, oh. before you get into it. Yep. Guys, if you aren't MMA fans and you're wrestling fans, keep your eye on these – the, the content that comes out because James has been given just a laundry list of wrestling related stuff to ask. Max Holloway was out hanging out with New Day a few weeks ago. You always have the Alistair Overeem Brock Lesnar connection. Right. Uh, Holly Holm is in town and she's going to be asked about Ronda Rousey. Yeah. Chris Cyborg has been trying to get involved in pro wrestling. Yeah. Like there is a whole lot from the, the pro wrestling perspective and that's why we do what we do. Yeah. And James is, James is great. Oh, he's awesome. He's really good. So uh, you guys are going to like that. So Thanksgiving, how was it for you? U.S. Thanksgiving? It was good. Like, I don't get a lot of time off, and I expected there to be, like, some big story that broke last week. It happens every Thanksgiving. Yeah. There really wasn't. I actually got a little bit of downtime. It was pretty cool. I got to do the <laughs> the Black Friday craziness breakdown I video. I saw that. That's, that's on our YouTube, uh, Psychos. Why Psychos. is it that that only happens in in the U.S.? Because Canada has Black Friday too, 
but we don't have brawls and shit like that, right? And like no. like yeah. stabbings and shootings and stuff. Like in the U.S., it's crazy. You know, it wasn't that violent this go around. It's better. It wasn't. Yeah, it was mainly just crazy stuff like people yanking stuff from each other. Not like a lot of like throwing punches and all that. Right. To me, here's my thing. I, I said on the on that little broadcast. For me, I go there post-apocalyptic Black Friday. I see what's there the following day, maybe buy some stocking stuffers of what's left. It's a wait between time and value for me. Is yes. going to that store at 3 a.m. or at 6 p.m. worth the time? Is that extra 20 bucks, 50 bucks, 100 bucks worth that time to me? Sean, let no, me tell you something. It's usually not. My level of respect for you, Sean, just went up a couple notches. Yeah? <laughs> because you would not believe how many people, and I saw Nigel was nodding, and so you know I love you already, but Nigel was nodding. So uh, you know how many people don't equate time to money? And all the time. on Black Friday, so I, I took Black Friday off because my wife and I had some errands to run for a new house. And we had the radio on, and there was a woman on the radio that said, I got up at 5 o'clock this morning, and I went to Walmart for Black Friday, and I was able to save $20 on a crock pot. And I looked at my wife, and oh, I said, man. I said, getting up at 5 a.m. was worth saving 20 bucks to this woman? You want a crock pot? Go get married, because that's all you get. That's <laughs> you get you are crock pots. I'm not going like to suggest she's single, Sean. Not going to suggest it, but they 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 don't equate time to money, and it kills me that people don't make that you know that comparison. Well, in my career, I have went from like per article to per articles with stipends to contracts, things like that. So I've found the way to balance that to like right. make it work no matter what. And to me, time in, in that scope, man, I could have been I could be doing something much better. Like like sleeping for an extra two or three hours. Sleeping, there's I don't value like in that. Yeah, but I mean, there's there's gonna be deals on Amazon. There are deals yes. online. You're right. You're right. I've I've got a few 4K TVs in my house. They all work great. I've never spent more than like 400 bucks, 500 bucks for one. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, like, I don't need Black Friday for that. Is it is it worth me getting in that mess? No. Yeah. But uh, I'm glad it's worth <laughs> it to somebody, Jimmy, because it got us content. I suppose. Uh, I got a lot of stuff to cover today, man. So let, let's try to knock some of these out quickly. So uh, once again, I want to do a giveaway. I don't know if you've already uh, got one planned out. I do. Oh, is it already posted on the forum? No, but it will be. Okay, so we're going to give away this Jack Pacific Ric Flair. Once again, it's signed by Ric Flair, but it's made out to John. So keep that in we mind. I am going to be having some very interesting prizes uh, coming up for people because I got a buddy that is hooking me up. I'm going to be getting some signed, uh, like NWO 8x10 signed by Hogan, Nash, nice. Hall, and Mean Gene Okerlund, uh, and different stuff like that. We're going to give it all no, the way in the form. No, I want the Mean Gene Okerlund woman. I got to restructure my deal. I got to get <laughs> signed Gene Okerlund 8x10s. If it means a pay cut, you got a deal. <laughs> no, not a deal. <laughs> we'll work it out. But uh, so we're going to be doing that. I also wanted to ask you about you went, so we're doing this on Wednesday, November 29th. Last night was a SmackDown taping in uh, Kentucky, Sean? Yeah, Lexington, Kentucky. The first one at Rupp Arena in like, God, six or seven years. And how was it? It was okay. I mean, it totally like talked me out of going to the Cincinnati show in a couple of weeks because I was I got tickets very cheap. I never care where I sit. Didn't really want to hit up WDB for comps or anything mm. like that because I hadn't decided until yesterday if I was even going to go or not. Mm. But Brian, our, our associate editor, assured me he had everything taken care of. Jeff and Anna did a great job on the, the post show. I did a run-in on the middle oh, of our yeah. post show from the middle of Lexington. 
you know, I wanted to go there because I've written so much about Kentucky and pro wrestling and the weird situation as it relates to that. You all can find a link to my story on that on my show notes, but attendance was good. Was it? Yeah, you're always going to have those people that post the pictures of the top tarped off area, and they're going to go, <gasps> yeah, it was tarped off. Well, at Rep Arena, they don't have backs on the bleachers at the top. Mm. So WWE does not like to put people up there, like if at all possible. So it's like those I mean, long benches? Oh, yeah. And we're, we're talking the biggest college basketball team in the nation, Jimmy. Really? Place here. Hmm. Yeah, it's been a major point of contention here. Uh, there were a lot of people on the hard camera side where they didn't even sell tickets. But one of our viewers messaged me and said, hey, I'm here as a seat filler. I'm over by the hard cam. So apparently they filled those up with some seat fillers. I had pictures of the attendance. It was – for the tickets they sold, attendance was very, very good. Um, Fightful and Ring of Honor had Snapchat filters there. So uh, we weren't the only ones who thought, oh, maybe we'll capitalize on that. Ring of Honor did too. They had one up there. Were the were the seat fillers paid just like Impact? No. Just oh. papered. Come paper. I yeah. got it. I got it. Okay, okay. Well, that's cool. That's cool. We'll talk about SmackDown a little bit. Uh, we got a couple of breaking news things I want to touch upon. I was telling Sean. Oh, yeah. I always put, put together my little list here, the list of Jimmy Van. I put it together Wednesday mornings. Uh, and I don't think about it again until it's time for the show. And when you know today, two things broke that I felt the need to uh, to mention, so I had to like scramble to kind of plug them in. So the first thing was uh, David Bixenspan, who does a lot of great stuff for us. He has a feature up right now on Fightful.com detailing the Flow Sports versus WWN lawsuit. Uh, includes a bunch of financial details and iPay-per-view numbers. Flow revealed in new court filings because they alleged that WWN sent them fraudulent business records in order to secure their contract, which ended up being worth $3.14 million uh, starting late 16. It was supposed to go through 2021, maxing out at seven hundred forty grand in rights fees for 2021, which is a good amount of money for a little independent promotion. So uh, David has a phenomenal feature, very detailed at Fightful.com. We're not going to go into the numbers here. You can go to Fightful.com and check it out. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention, and this was already kind of expected because we talked about it before, but uh, WWE Studios announced in a press release today that they're expanding their mandate, which currently is motion pictures. They're expanding it to include scripted, non-scripted, family, and animated television and digital content. And again, we kind of knew this because PW Insider reported a few months ago that they were shopping around various ideas to networks for TV shows. I think mm -hmm. Miz was going to be featured in one, Miz and Maurice, and uh, I think another Bella one or something. So they have all these ideas. So kind of makes sense that they're going to go into TV and go into digital content too. I imagine maybe we'll see something on Netflix or Hulu or who knows what. So wanted to mention imagine that. Imagine if they had their own network for this stuff. Imagine, right? Yeah. But they, of Seems course, like, they're looking for additional rights fees. That's why they're shopping. Yeah. Right? Yeah, of course they are. Uh, Miz and Maurice, good idea. They're, they're made for that. They're going to have a kid. They've got, yeah. you know, he's, he's in movies and he's on TV shows all the time. And he is, I don't know if the Miz would be a draw, but Maurice damn sure would be. Well, he's, he's like the ultimate utility player and she would mm. be the star of that show. Right. Like I remember when, I don't know if I've told people about this before, but I'll reveal it. We had talks earlier this year with Jack Swagger about a potential podcast mm -hmm. and he put over his wife. He's like, Sorry, man. If my wife is on the show, she's the star. Like, you get one look at her, she's the star. I think Miz knows that, too. Mm. I think he's he's very – and, I mean, come on. Who puts people over better than the Miz anyway? Agreed. And she saved his act. And oh, I, yeah, and she I, did. And I think the Miz knows it. 
Yeah, he knows it, and yeah. I'm sure he's appreciative. I think and I'm so. sure a show would be good. Yeah. As far as animated goes, I think story time is excellent. I don't like that it's like 15 minutes long, but you'll see like Joe Rogan podcasts and Brendan Schaub podcasts and my personal favorite, Uriah Faber fight stories they used to do. I've seen that, yeah. They do, they do that animated thing where it's just people talking over it. It does well. Right. Uh, Camp WWE, although our boy Matt Riddle wasn't a big fan of the cursing in the show – I no, he was, liked the cursing, but he said the cursing has to mean something. You don't just yeah, curse you got, the, you got to you, got, you can't just <laughs> yeah. You got to do a couple arm bars before you do it. If I remember Matt's exact quote, Matt's exact quote was, "I like a good swear." Mm-hmm. Right. Yes, I, they are capable of producing good content. They're, they're hey, they're capable of producing good movies. The call was good. Like, I actually, a, I actually really movie. like Table for Three a lot. I like that yep. show a lot. I figure it's not too costly because the people are there at the building mostly. Yeah. So uh, I really like that. I want to talk one thing about the SmackDown uh, taping last night. Uh, I didn't find Raw or SmackDown to be overly newsworthy this week. But uh, one thing about the SmackDown taping that made me think of you, Sean, was when Jinder turned on the Singh Brothers. After the Singh Brothers lost to AJ Styles, I immediately thought of Sean Ross Sapp and about how Sean Ross Sapp for weeks has been suggesting that uh, Jinder turn on the Sings, and I think you said you want the Sings to be positioned as kind of like an Indian Hardy Boys. Yeah, and somebody said, oh, why, so everybody can throw them around? Well, yeah, that's the point. Well, yeah. They, Did you see when he was doing the, the Culver Clutch Slam and they, the one guy flipped head over heels and almost fell on his head? I mean, they, yep. they are acrobats, those two guys, so they'd be really uh, good for that. The best thing to come out of Jinder Mahal was saving these two guys' careers. Right. Because they had just muddled around in like Rinka King and GFW, and I'm not talking like nationally televised GFW. I'm talking like minor league baseball park GFW. Then they got on the Cruiserweight Classic and 205 Live. They were on 205 Live one time, yeah. and they were pulled. They weren't good enough for and it. And they were positioned as just a Canadian brother tag team. The Bollywood when they were, Boys. Yeah, when they were the on The Bollywood that, yeah. Boys. And it was lame then. After this run, I think you can go back to that, and they can be that fiery underdog team. And all you got to do is say, we did some things <laughs> that we didn't like in order to get on TV. We don't like the way he portrays us. An apology goes a long way mm. because everybody screws up. Mm. So I would, I would really like to see that. Uh, what this pretty much tells me is, hey, this is going to be Gender's first title match without the Singh brothers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, it's going to be his first and maybe his last. I hope. But uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. I, I saw that one of our listeners was pretty pissed that we were shitting on Jinder. And, uh, and, and again, I'm not shitting on Jinder. I think Jinder's done his best, but I just don't think it worked. It was an experiment they tried. I don't think it's worked. And I think splitting him from the Sings is the latest sign that they're getting ready to pull, pull from that act. But uh, it, it, it could be a lot worse. you got an upper mid-card guy now. True. Yeah, it's true. I'll buy, I, him, I, I'll buy him as a mid-card guy. I'll buy him as an upper mid-card guy. It doesn't take a lot for me to buy into somebody as a mid- or upper mid-card guy. Uh, you think six months from now he's going to be putting Mojo Raleigh over again? Well, based on what we saw last night and Mojo Raleigh getting this is awesome chance for mm. turning on Zack Ryder. Who knows? Yeah. I can just say 2020 hindsight being perfectly clear – Man, they screwed up that Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal even more in retrospect because there's no reason you couldn't have had Braun beat everybody in that match, gender be pissy, and then just have Gronk run through him after the match. Yeah, uh, they just wanted that that picture of Gronk and, and Raleigh in the ring holding up, you know, that's all they wanted. So let me ask you about this, Sean. 
we've talked before about the good and bad of the internet, you know, and how, how the bad side of the internet, people get easily offended. I talked about the guy that created the uh, documentary about Apu, got a little bit of heat on Twitter for that, which is fine. Sure did. And um, um, I heard that there is an alleged controversy on the internet, and I'm going to call it an alleged controversy because it's so <laughs> silly. But I heard there's an alleged controversy regarding how Roman Reigns carries the Intercontinental title belt. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are people that will bitch about anything, Jimmy. They're like, oh, he slung it over his shoulder. People are bitching Someone, about that? Man, Pete Dunne gnaws on the damn thing as he walks to the ring. He's got it in his mouth. So let me tell you, when I first heard, because I saw the picture on, on social media where Roman had it over his shoulder, you know, looking behind him for the, for the, for the picture, I thought of two things immediately that just kind of popped into my head. The first one was Stone Cold during the Attitude Area era would carry the belt to the ring and toss it over the top rope when he yep. was going to go in to cut a promo. The Undertaker, when he first won the WWF title 25 years ago from Hulk Hogan, he only had it for two days, but when he won the title, he would have the thing practically dragging it on the ground when he was walking to the ring. How is this a controversy now? Like, who gives a shit? Seriously. People want to find an excuse to dislike To it. dislike Roman Reigns. Yeah. That's what it is. I mean, you don't have to have a reason to not like a character. You can just not like a character. Mm -hmm. It's all that. I mean, you don't have to make up stuff. I agree. I think they're really stretching with that one. I do too. So uh, we talked about uh, how WWE was utilizing the Starcade brand in order to produce a house show in Greensboro, North Carolina, which was a hotbed for WCW back in the day. I posted great for us this weekend, by the way. And I saw a bunch of the footage, and I I just can't help but think that this was a brilliant idea. Apparently, it was Michael Hayes' idea. Mm -hmm. I thought it was a brilliant idea. I think they need to do more of this, not just with WCW brands, but also ECW brands. Why not? In the specific markets where those brands are going to be hot. I think they need to do more of it. Uh, and I absolutely love Dustin Rhodes' um, little little gimmick that he did at, at Starkid. I loved it. When he came out with the gold dust robe on to the gold dust music, he had the hood up, walked out there, pulled the hood down to show that he wasn't wearing any face paint, took the robe off. He's got his old country boy gear on. They play his WCW music, the natural Dustin Rhodes, and he went out and he won the match with the, uh, with the old running bulldog. I love that. I thought that was great. I did too. I thought it was a brilliant idea for Fightful.com to recognize that WWE wasn't putting it on their network, so we accumulated all the videos, photos that we could from fans from WWE, put it on there, did live results. That did great. To me, you've got to jump on live event stuff like that. Like you said, do November to remember in Pennsylvania or sure. New York somewhere. Absolutely. Do Halloween Havoc anywhere. Bash at the Beach, June, July. You honestly, shit, it's... Do Bash at the Beach in October if it's on the West Coast. Why How do you not? think like, – like do you think they'd have a shot? What if they did like world class in Texas, like a world class show? Do you think that might have a shot? Yeah, if you bring the Von Erich well, family they, in. Well, they, the they would bring the Von Erichs in. They would. Yeah, and maybe have the, the younger Von Erich boys wrestle the, the opening match on the show or maybe put them in like a big 10-man tag or something like that and highlight them. What do you think if they did a Mid-South show in Mississippi and they had Jim Ross call the show? Well, I mean, I think there it, might they be an interest there. Could they do? The, they could do uh, Hayes, and I don't know if they could do Jimmy Garvin anymore. He looks like a history teacher now. But uh, yeah, most most of those guys do. Yeah, yeah. But I, mean, I think I think can, it's a brilliant idea, and, and apparently the house was decent at start. Yeah, Day. capitalize on your properties. That's uh, what I would do. You look. The UFC bought Pride, and when they bought Pride, they got hosed. Mm -hmm. But then they incorporated it into their video games. They incorporated mm -hmm. it into their network. 
I thought the UFC should have done a Pride event in Japan. They should have done like a Pride reboot when you've got like Overeem, Crow Cop, right. Rampage on the roster. Throw a fight in a ring, put it in Japan, right? have right. a ball. Use the properties that you spent money on. I agree. Yep, I agree. Um, let's talk about Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks. Yeah. This is an interesting one. So Pro Wrestling Sheet reported that Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks are looking to self-finance a show in 2018 in a 10,000-seat venue. Uh, and apparently the front-runner locations are said to be Chicago, London, San Francisco, and Ontario, California. Now, I, I highly doubt they're going to do London. That makes no sense to me. Uh, I think California is going to be the spot. That's where the Bucks are located. Uh, and California seems like a pretty logical place for them to be at. But uh, this is an interesting thing for them to attempt. Cody Rhodes, after the pro wrestling sheet thing came out, he posted on Twitter on November 27th, we can't comment officially until we confirm the location, but we're far enough in the process to say it's happening in 2018, and we're swinging for the damn fences. Uh, he also said that uh, Daniel Bryan is his dream opponent on that show. That's a hell – I mean, let me tell you something. It, it's, I, I don't think they'll get 10000 Unless, unless they're able to somehow utilize Ring of Honor programming, maybe maybe they could get 10000 I think 5000 is very doable. Mm -hmm. uh, and 5000 if they, because even if you've got to pay for trans, pay for hotel, uh, and pay payoffs to the talent, because they're going to be using Ring of Honor talent, uh, 5000 oh, you're, you're doing well. Yeah, so. uh, I'm hopeful that they do 10000 because I want to see as much competition as possible. Mm -hmm. I get the feeling they're going to call in every favor that they are owed in this world for this show. And if they do it with Daniel Bryan, it's going to be in the fall of next year. Yeah, I, I still don't. Th I don't think he's leaving WWE. Not that I want to segue from this story necessarily, but I don't think he's going to leave WWE. But well, uh, yeah, it's it, it's all dependent on that. That's Daniel Bryan. I think being on the show or not is the difference between several thousand tickets. Oh yeah, I, I think for sure it could be. I mean, we saw Jericho with Russell Kingdom, right? Yeah, and so, I mean those are fly. Those are going very very well. Yeah. I don't want to say it's impossible because there have been things that I thought were impossible that have just happened before. And yep, anything's possible. And with as hot as they've been lately, but I mean, you never know how hot they'll be in nine months. Maybe they will be. Maybe they won't be at all. Maybe something happens that completely disenfranchises people to them, or maybe there's something that makes them hotter than ever. I mean, people maybe. thought that. And initially, people thought maybe the Young Bucks were in some trouble over the, the cease and desist thing. Nope, they sold more merchandise than they did before, to the point to where if I were them, even if you didn't get a cease and desist, I would have said that I got a cease and desist because it helped propel it. It helped facilitate that notion that they are really against the grain of WWE. Well, isn't that what Will Ospreay did? <clears throat> Probably. Because you said you don't think he really got one and he claimed he did, right? Yeah. Miss Kitty or something? I can't recall what it was anymore that he claimed that he got one for. Yeah, probably. Or the cat or something. idea. Um, so I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you an honest question. Do you ask me lie questions? Uh, well, no. Okay, I'm pretty damn honest. But this, this is going to be a very honest question. So you know what's going on right now with the whole sexual uh, misconduct allegation thing? Yeah. And today we're doing this again on the 29th. It was announced today that Matt Lauer has been fired by NBC because of uh, allegations. And I'm not going to go on a, sp a spiel for 10 minutes, even though I do think it's bullshit that a lot of these people are guilty until proven innocent. I think that's not fair. But yeah. I'm not going to go on about that for 10 minutes. Here's the question I want to ask you, Sean. Do you think that there's anybody in WWE right now that's feeling a little hot under the collar 
that all this stuff is coming out and that uh, everything is making the news and guys are losing their jobs. And do you think there's anybody in WWE, without mentioning names, that might I think be virtually everybody with a penis <laughs> in the world right now is a little out of the but do you think there could be anybody that maybe they're a former WWE employee, maybe they felt slighted by the company? Do you think there's any possibility that these guys are waiting to, you know, come out with an allegation? And I mean, who knows, right? Yes. Yeah. One hundred percent. I just as these things are coming out, and when the Matt Lauer one came out today, I, I I'll be quite frank. I thought of Vince McMahon. I did, if I'm being honest. I thought of, of Miss. I thought of Miss a man, and I thought about oh man. I wonder if anyone, anybody is because you know that he had issues in the eighties mm-hmm. with uh, the the referee and all that. So, or the the time key or the ring guy. Yeah, I, Mel, what's his face? Yeah, Mel Phillip. Well, no, but there was a female referee, and there were allegations. Oh yeah, about, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I could say that could happen, and likely will eventually. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Um, Okay, so even though this is not wrestling-related, uh, we've, we've discussed it before, I think it's relevant because of the fact that a lot of wrestlers work hurt. And a lot of them work with maybe concussions that they're not even aware they have. And for that reason, I want to talk about Michael Bisping. Uh, okay. And we spoke about this last week. So Michael Bisping, he's a UFC fighter. He's now the former uh, middleweight champion. On November 4th, he lost the title to George St. Pierre. He was choked out in the third round. Prior to getting choked out, he was knocked down with a big left hand and almost finished uh, via ground and pound before George got the choke on. A week after Michael Bisping lost that fight, uh, a fighter by the name of Anderson Silva, who you, most people have probably heard of, Nigel, you've probably even heard of Anderson Silva, or, or maybe not. He, uh, <laughs> he, was, he was pulled from a show scheduled for November 25th due to a drug violation. And Michael Bisping volunteered to step in and took the fight, even though that fight was three weeks after he lost to George St. Pierre and was knocked down due to a big left hand. And his opponent on the November 25 show was a guy by the name of Kelvin Gaston, who's a heavy hitter. And I questioned, why would Michael Bisping's management allow this? And why would the UFC allow this? Why would Dana White put him in this situation? So what happens? Michael Bisping goes in there on November 25th, gets knocked out in like two minutes, cold, due to a big left hand, uh, and now he's on a uh, mandatory 60-day medical suspension. How is this whole thing logical to me, Sean? Like, how is it safe? Why would you put this guy in this situation? And again, you hear stories all the time about, Daniel Bryan in his book talked about how him and Nigel McGuinness, they probably had a lot of undiagnosed concussions, and they did a lot of stuff in Ring of Honor that probably took years off their careers. Um, why would the UFC, a big entity that just sold for $4 billion, why would they allow this guy to take a fight three weeks after getting knocked down and choked out in another fight? doesn't make any sense money. to me at all. Money. It's That's stupid, though. It's stu- only reason. It could cost them so much money if something were to happen. Yeah. Right? It could, and that's what it all boils down to is money. That's what they care about. That's that's why they're there. I think so foolish. There. So foolish. I, I agree, man. That, that shouldn't have happened. I think that it, he got helped out because he had fought in China before, and that probably sped the process up. But, oh, it's such a bad look. It was and maybe, terrible. Maybe thought, well, he's going to retire anyway. Might as well give him some more CTE. Right, Yikes, man. Right, because oh, they're they're starting to diagnose that in living people now. Yeah, right. It's, it's like I, when 
It's like when you have your Keurig and you fill it up with water, and there's a there's a max fill line. His <laughs> max CTE fill line was a little bit low, and UFC's like, we can squeeze a little more in mm-hmm. before he retires. Mm-hmm. We can get this in. I just thought it was such a horrible decision. I, I couldn't believe it happened. I just couldn't believe it happened. And uh, you know Michael Bissabing is because he is going to retire, so he's probably thinking, I'll, I'll get in another payday. And yeah. he, he was coming off of a training camp, so he was in shape. But, uh, my God, I thought that was and, – and I saw that fight, and I saw him drop from that left hand, and I thought to myself, it's just not good, man. You just got dropped three weeks ago. Yeah, and, and he's always in shape and stuff, so you can always expect him to show up that way. But ooh, Isn't he it? Got, he got folded. And you know how many people over the years have criticized Vince McMahon and criticized WWE because the wrestling mentality is you get through it, right? Yeah. Oh, you've got, you know, Taker, I think, in Hell in a Cell had a, had a, if his leg wasn't broken, it was fractured. And he still wrestled Mick Foley in 1999 with that busted leg because that's the mentality, right? And WWE has been criticized for so many years about that. UFC has a, has a, a much bigger, you know, cultural, pop cultural brand than WWE does. And to allow a guy to go in there and potentially suffer permanent injury, I just thought was a horrible, horrible thing to do. So I wanted to bring it up on the show. Yeah, I, I, I don't agree with that decision that they made. He saved the show for them because that fight was pulled. Yeah, so what? It was on Fight Pass. Who gives a shit? That's right? what I said. Yeah. They, they, want, they want China to be a big market for them. Uh, uh, I just I don't awful. like it. Awful. Uh, all right, my next story is going to be longer than a minute, Sean, so I'm going to go ahead and uh, cue you for your segue. Hey, guys, here's Kenny Dykstra. <laughs> so when you were released, you were 22. What did what mentally did that do for you? Because, I mean, you were young. You knew that you had a long future in pro wrestling still. Um, I just started writing out my goals. What are my goals beside pro wrestling? Because, you know, whether you're 22 or 42 or 52 or 62, at some point it's going to end. I just knew it wasn't going to end at 22, but I also knew this was my opportunity. I knew that it wasn't going to pick right back up at 22 because once, you, once you're released, they're not going to turn around and rehire you unless they made a mistake, and they very rarely don't do that too often. So I just made a list of goals, and college was one of them. You know, start a small business and, you know, just fend for yourself. I, I, the reason I got into pro wrestling at 13 was because I, I always feared – people going to work nine to five Monday through Friday. And I was like, I don't know why people do this. And I would ask my mom, like, why, why do you do that? That makes no sense at all. You don't like it. Stop going. And she said, well, you got to pay the bill somehow. And I thought, well, I got to figure out how to pay the bills by not doing that. So that was my plan. You seem like the kind of guy a TNA would be interested in. You were young, you were a big dude. You had WWE experience. Did they ever reach out? I did a dark match with them. I worked homicide. Oh, here's what happened with TNA. Uh, yes, actually, they did. Um, they brought me down. They flew me down, put me in a hotel. They paid me to work a dark match. I worked homicide. They liked it. I went out after with Bischoff and Flair. And Flair was like, you got to hire this kid. You got to hire this kid. We need him here. And then a week and a half he, later. They seemed to like you an awful lot. I guess, right? I, you never know. Sometimes <laughs> you never know, right? I always, every time I see him, I still feel like I need to introduce him as, hi, I'm, I'm Ken, nice to meet you, I'm a yeah. big fan. Like, and it, oh, I know who you are. Like, okay, just making sure. Like, you don't have to know who I am, Rick, just, just so you know. Like, if you forget, that's okay. But they brought me down, and then a week and a half later, they said, we want you to come back down for another dark match. And I said, okay, cool, just send me my information. 
And then they said, well, well you got to pay for your own flight and your own hotel and all that stuff. Mm. And I, I just thought, and they said, you're going to work for free. And I, I just said, you know, at this point in my career, it's not something that I, I care to do at this point in life. Like I have a, a lot of other projects going that I'm not going to put those off just to try to do this for you guys. You know, can I send you a YouTube clip of like me and Shawn Michaels or something? And maybe that, you, <laughs> you know what I mean? I didn't say that, but that's what I was thinking. And then like, yeah. Uh, about a week later, they offered me a deal, and then the deal was – the guarantee was so low that – and by the way, I'm always thinking of things like business-wise, and like that's just the, my mentality all the time. And after being with WWE, I know what it costs to rent a car. I know what it costs mm -hmm. to get a hotel. So when I broke down their deal, I broke it down, and they were still doing house shows. So I emailed them back nicely, and I said, let's assume that I do your house shows Friday, Saturday, Sunday, whatever – with the cost of me renting a car, the cost of me renting a hotel, the cost of me eating three times a day, and then your pay on top of that, my take home is going to be about $200 a week that yeah. I, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to be a homeless TV star. You know what I mean? I'd rather yeah. not be on TV and be able to live. So I just respectfully decline their, their offer. That's but interesting. as was... of recent, I haven't, no, we haven't heard anything. One of my favorite things that you did outside WWE was the Chikara King of Trios in 2014. I've always loved that tournament because they do stuff like this. Oh, they, yeah, brought, that's great. they brought you, Johnny, and Mikey in. Now, the same tournament, they also had LAX. They've had like teams called the Cold Front. Well, they'll, they'll bring in like Al Snow, Ice Train, and Glacier. Like they, <laughs> they have these awesome pairings that they do all the time Team Ring of Honor, Team WWF. How how does that come about, and did it take any convincing of any of the other guys to do it, or yourself? No, me and Mondo have always like been set on, and we're still set on. Like, there's no doubt in our mind that we're going to be back and we're going to make it on some level, whether it be Ring of Honor or TNA Impact Force Wrestling or WWE, or if House of Hardcore even gets a big deal, you never know. But that's our mentality. But then it wasn't anything crazy. Uh, actually, I guess the only person that we had to talk a little bit was Jeter. Johnny Jeter, and we were like, dude, just come on down. It'll be fine. It's a six-man tag. And his concern was that he hadn't been in the ring for eight years. And, you know, a six-man tag, we can always hide your weaknesses. We will showcase your strengths, and that's that's all we'll do. And you'll be all right. All right. You guys are back. The man who defeated Ric Flair, the former tag team champion, Kenny Dykstra. Who said that Flair put him over. So yeah. good, good, for, uh, good for Kenny Dykstra. Kenny Dykstra seems, seems like a good guy. Very well-spoken, very articulate. Uh, humble too. He doesn't come off like an arrogant dick, like you know. A lot of people can be in the business sometimes. And you know, you. I'm you just honest, Nigel. No, you know, okay. I'm honest. They they do like. It's so funny. My wife will ask me like she's she likes meeting like her favorite actresses and stuff like that, and she's like, you never never get excited over stuff like that. And I was like, well, it's just not my thing. Taking pictures with people, getting autographs. It can be for other people, but I've met a lot of people that I thought were going to be really cool, mm -hmm. and they were just straight dicks mm -hmm. and. You learn to temper your expectations a little bit that it's way. It's true. It's true. Yep. Uh, okay, so we got a uh, – this was posted on Twitter yesterday by one of our listeners named Chris Greenlee. He says, Sexy Star goes off again. Can you add that to the list for tomorrow? And I responded to Chris, and I said, yes, sir. Uh, I was planning on getting to it. So let's talk about it. So uh, now I want to reiterate uh, by the time I'm done talking about this, I am not a doctor. <laughs> and uh, Professionally, I, at least. Professionally. I can give my opinion, but that's all I can do. So uh, stop, uh, you know, tweeting hate or posting hate about how I don't know my shit because I don't. 
So, uh, <laughs> so Sexy Star is a Mexican women's wrestler, works for AAA. She's done stuff with Lucha Underground. She's done stuff with uh, Shimmer. And uh, back in August, she was at Triple Mania 25, which ironically enough was the same show that Jarrett allegedly lost his job over. Triple Mania 25 in Mexico I'm, for Triple I'm shocked. Somehow a train wreck always happens at that show. I saw the worst match of my life on a Triple Mania show. Right. Well, in this particular case with uh, Sexy Star, it was a four-way women's match. Uh, she ended up submitting Rosemary with an armbar, and it looked like she held the armbar on after the referee was trying to get it off. It looked like a shoot armbar, and uh, Rosemary claimed that she was injured. Um... Sexy Star posted a statement on Twitter a week after the whole thing happened, claiming that she applied the move the same way that she always has. She says, if you watch my matches, I always leave it on after the bell, because that's just part of what she does. Uh, she said that uh, she didn't think Rosemary was hurt. She said she thought everything was fine until I got backstage and I got reprimanded by Global Force employees. And that was her, her take on it. Then uh, she got ripped pretty hard about it. There were a lot of performers saying she should be blacklisted from the business. I think some promotions blacklisted her from the business after that. Um, so here's where we are now. So on Sunday, November 19th, and I, I apologize if I mispronounce stuff because I don't speak Spanish, but on, uh, on Sunday, November 19th, she worked for a promotion in Mexico called Promociones MDA. Not bad, right, Sean, for a small-town Canadian boy? <laughs> yeah. And uh, she wrestled without a mask under Did the Melissa name... Melissa help you with that one? Uh, no, man. I just <laughs> I winged it on my own, bud. Oh, Manuela. Winged so. it on my, on my own. <laughs> So she wrestled without a mask under the name Dolce Star, and her opponent was uh, Diosa Quetzal. Again, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And there was a video on Twitter. Thanks. There was a video <laughs> on Twitter that showed Quetzal. Uh, she had uh, Dolce Star down in the corner, and she kicked her pretty hard in the head. Did you see the video? Like she no, kicked... I haven't seen it yet. Okay, so so this this girl Diosa Quetzal, she kicked Sexy Star in the head pretty hard. And Sexy Star immediately no-sold the kick, got to her feet, ran at the other girl, uh, started roughing her up a little bit. Then it looked like they decided to work together again because uh, Sexy Star snapmared her. And then as soon as she snapmared her, she kicked her in the head hard. Uh, and that's kind of where, where this all started. And then there was a guy on Twitter by the name of Alfredo. His Twitter name is The Fray Dork. Uh, and he posted, yep, that's his name, at The Fray Dork. He posted on November 28th. Quote, I was there ringside taking pictures for the website I work for, and I can tell you, she, meaning Sexy Star, was like that all match. It didn't start with the kick from Diosa Quetzal. Her kick was kind of a receipt for everything she took before. So he's suggesting that Sexy Star was rough with the girl the whole match and shooting on her the whole match. Uh, and so Chris Greenlee, our, uh, our listener, you know, that's why he wanted us to talk about it, because it appeared that she went off again. Now, all I want to say, because again, I'm not a doctor, a couple days after Triple Mania, when she had the armbar incident, she was on a reality TV show in Mexico. Uh, that's the first time she ever addressed the incident, was when she was on this reality TV show. She made reference in that interview to representing women who have been mistreated physically or emotionally. She made reference to having gone through domestic abuse and depression. Uh, and so it sounds to me like maybe she's got her demons... And for whatever reason, maybe when she's in some of these matches, maybe it triggers something in her, Sean. I mean, I don't know. That's the only thing I can think of that would make any sense. It's a physical form of entertainment. Stuff like that happens. I, I can share a story. We used to do our, our catch wrestling team. Catch wrestling and pro wrestling are very close associated. Like, you could pick out somebody from our catch wrestling <laughs> team and they'd be able to work 
a pro wrestling match, very basic, on, on an indie show, knowing what they know. We had guys come in, pro wrestlers, and one of which had kind of a reputation for not being the safest. But we did it as a favor to bring him into our open house, and he was against a guy in his first match. That raised concerns with me, so I straight up said to him, you need to be safe with him. If you're not, he's going to detect it, and he's going to take care of himself. In the match, aforementioned uh, debutante, Sebastian Dalton was his name, <laughs> had to do a double wrist lock uh, takeover and kind of hold the guy down because he's getting fucked up during the match. Mm-hmm. And if Sexy Star or this other woman feel like one is taking liberties, liberties with the other, liberties with the other, you got to protect yourself one way or the other. If maybe Sexy Star didn't think she was laying it in that much, maybe she did. I've got to watch the video to kind of decipher this, but maybe. I mean, I look at it like this. So when you think of a guy like Vader, because Vader had a reputation, right? And and yes. and what everybody always said about Vader is Vader's going to lay into you because he wants to know that you can take it, and all you do is hit him back hard. And once mm-hmm. you do that, then he'll he'll respect you and work with you. And that was always the line on Vader. Yeah. In this situation with Sexy Star, let's say that that's her her how she works, right? Let's say that's how she works. And let's say that she was working stiff with this girl because that's what she does. As soon as she takes a stiff kick back, she knows soul that gets up, starts roughing with the girl, rough, roughing up the girl. Yeah. That's not how you react, right? Unless, unless, like you said, she didn't realize that she was being stiff with her, which is possible. Yeah, there are right? people I've seen in the ring who you'll do basic stuff with them and maybe they just don't know what's going on, especially when you're green. I don't know how long this other woman's been wrestling. Yeah, I'm not sure about sexy- I know Sexy Star's been wrestling a long time. Yeah. I'll get some more information on it, but I've seen people that are green that just don't know how to get out of stuff, and they get frustrated thinking that you're maybe messing with them when it's just something really basic. Like right. a double wrist lock, some guys don't know how to get out of that. They get a little frustrated when they realize they don't know how to get out of that. Whose fault is that? Mm-hmm. It leads to stiff shots here, stiff shots there. So uh, I'm sure that Sexy Star will come out and talk about it and blame the other person no matter what. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. We'll see what happens. Uh, I want to talk about Dave Bautista. Uh, I admittedly thought that he was done with WWE, not interested in WWE. He was on Jericho's podcast. uh, When was that? Earlier this year, Sean. Yes. And, And he indicated on Jericho's podcast that he had wanted to do one more run in WWE. He wanted to do a program with Triple H. He said that Vince McMahon and Triple H were not receptive to him coming back. And he told Chris Jericho, I'm done asking. And that's what he said, I'm done asking. On JR's podcast, he was on uh, Jim Ross's podcast last week on Podcast One, he kind of did an about face. uh, Because what he told Jim Ross was that he wants one more WWE run. And here's a quote from Batista. He said, yes, I would love to go back. The reason I have not gone back is because I don't want to do a one-off. I want to go and I want to wrestle. I want to do some house shows. I want to be part of the program. And the one-off thing, the cheap pop thing, it doesn't do anything for me. So now it's a matter of scheduling if I can go back and if I can get injured. And if I get injured, it's going to affect something else. He also said in the interview that he's in regular contact with Miss McMahon. And so I'm kind of curious what happened. The only thing I can think of is maybe when he was talking to Jericho, Vince wasn't responsive to him. And maybe now Vince is responsive to him. And so maybe now it's opening up the lines of communication. I mean, we talked about this before. This guy now is, is a pretty bonafide Hollywood actor. He's in Guardians oh, of yeah. the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy 2. He was in the James Bond movie. Why would you not want to do business Blade with Runner. this guy? Blade Runner. Blade right. Runner. He's got like right. four or five movies coming out next year. He's Why wouldn't like you want to do business Plan, with Hotel him? Hotel Artemis. The right. Avengers movie. He's in that. Right, right. 
Good God. Well, Wait. if you remember a few years ago, the last time he left. By the way, in a couple of months, he'll officially have been away from WWE longer this time than he was the time before, which is weird to think. They, I don't think that they expected Guardians of the Galaxy to do so well. And if they did, like, I don't know how you don't capitalize on that. Do that you was, think – now, because we've talked before about that WrestleMania press conference – Oh yeah, uh, and and uh, Nigel, I was I don't know. We talked about this before, but you not, might not remember. Batista was part of a WrestleMania press conference, and because he has the mindset that I have Hollywood paydays now, I don't need wrestling anymore. Right. He went out and did his own thing, and he basically held up the script. He said, "They told me to say this. I would never say this. This is stupid. Whoever wrote this should be fired." And he said this during the press conference. Uh, I'm wondering if this man is thinking, "I don't need this." Like I don't, do I don't need to. Do you remember when CM Punk said that Dave Batista sat on his couch and said, "Man, WWE is screwing up with me" during the middle of his return run? Right. Okay. They also in that CM Punk podcast, he says that people like himself, people like Dave, people like even Randy Orton will step up and say, "I deserve more money for this," mm-hmm. and that fans will go. And the wrestlers would go, well, I would have done it for 5000 a night. And Punk said, well, go do it then right. because that's what they want. Maybe WWE saw some things in his last run and, like, my God, I have not heard one thing about that last run of Dave Batista's that he said that I went out and thought, man, that's a bad idea, Dave. Like, the when you thought you should be come, brought back as a heel, bad idea, Dave. When you knew that it was Daniel Bryan's year and not yours – Bad idea, Dave. Mm. Like, everything he said made sense. It did. And I mean, I question the blue. I'll be honest. I question the blue. I, hell, I don't. No? I don't. Do you, how much attention did that get? Well, it did. It, it didn't Action look right. figures and shit. He made yeah. merch money off of that. It didn't look he, right to me. Sure, but... he looked like Matt Kemp of the L.A. Dodgers. <laughs> like, to the gills. Who cares? Yeah, but you know he what? I mean, he, he put over Brian Clean at Mania. And here's a guy twice the size of Daniel Bryan. Put him how over clean at Mania. How do you right? not bring him back? And I agree. Run him against fucking Braun Strowman at Mania. I agree. And 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 Batista. I don't know Dave Batista. I can only go by what I've seen and what I've heard. He seems like a nice guy to me. He seems like a pretty low. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Key guy. And I don't think he's going to have a problem if they say, we want you to put Braun Strowman over and we want you to make him look strong. I don't think he's going to have an issue with that at all. Also, I would would be keen on the idea of a Dave Batista taking Braun Strowman under his wing. Like right. now, we got showing him some stuff. You got to keep in mind that he did tell Jericho that he was only interested in a program of Triple H. Oh no, no, right? that's not true. No, also Titus O'Neil. <laughs> well, because they're buddies. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. Speaking of Titus, love to see him throwing a few shoot shots on Samoa Joe on Raw. Thanks. 
You know, I have a, I have a special place for Titus O'Neil. I really like him. I think they've underutilized him. I find he's a very likable guy. I wish they would bring back the Titus brand on Raw. So uh, I really like Titus, man. He's such a likable guy. And I, you know I, what I wish they would do? I wish they would turn the shield heel, and uh, in order just, to get Roman over as a face. And that's I the only way you're going to do it. That's the only way you're going to give it. up on Roman Reigns as a face. And now yeah. the Shield are getting booed because of him. Yes. Yes. So I'm like, shit, man. You've got your big baby face in Braun Strowman. Yep. Go with it. Just go with it. I agree. And that's why. Lesnar, if you want Brock Lesnar to be a baby face, he can be. Yeah. Brock Lesnar is a utility player in that, that degree. But see, people, people pop for Brock Lesnar because I think they respect his credentials. Right? Sure. So when he's out there German suplexing people, people get, get behind that. But uh, Roman, yeah, it's, it's not working. And a guy like Jason Jordan, again, he will turn heel. And when he does turn heel, he's going to get the biggest babyface pop on the show because people want to see it. I compared him to Tito Ortiz this week, and I think it's a good one. Where he looks a little bit like him. Every time he goes out and loses, he's like, well, I had arthritis in my knee, my wrist hurts, <laughs> and I had an ear infection, and I'm... I was paralyzed last week, but the doctors, they, they didn't clear me, but I came out and I fought anyway. That is Tito Ortiz. And that I love absolutely it. I think, that should be, I think that should be Jason Jordan. I was going to talk about this later, but I'll mention it now, I guess. So Booker T has a podcast called Heated Conversations with Booker T. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, no? okay. I did an article on it. So it's on radio.com, and on uh, one of the latest episodes of the podcast, he kind of sort of shit on Jason Jordan uh, yeah. and basically said he's not a fan. And here's a quote from Booker T. He said, and you know what? I respect Booker T's uh, bluntness, and I respect his honesty. And uh, so he said, I'm not a huge fan of Jason Jordan. If I like you, I like you. If I don't like you, I don't like you. To me, he's not proved himself to be a top guy on Monday Night Raw. I don't see one sign in the audience that says Jason Jordan is my guy. If you don't have one sign in the audience, you ain't that hot, or people just don't care about you. Uh, now, in Jason Jordan's defense, he didn't ask for that spot. He didn't ask to be Kurt Angle's son on television. Um, and he's you've said this before, he's hes fire in the ring. Jason Jordan well, is phenomenal in the ring. He's not worthy of defeating Seth Rollins in the Madden tournament either, but he, he knocked <laughs> Seth Rollins out first round. Three-year defending champion. Yep. So uh-huh. he's getting the push. <laughs> Even on well, up, up, down, down. I think Booker was a little unfair because uh, Jason Jordan didn't ask for that spot. But I uh, thought I'd bring that up. Uh, Let me ask you this question, Sean. We talk sometimes about how a lot of things that occur today, they don't have the same kind of feel to them, importance, same kind of relevance that they had 20, 30 years ago. Maybe it's because there's too much content on television. Maybe it's because we know, everybody knows now that wrestling is predetermined entertainment. I don't know what the reason is. Uh, But you think back to WrestleMania 1, right, back in 1985, King Kong Bundy beats S.D. Jones in what they claim was nine seconds. Uh, yeah. I watched the match back. It was actually 25 seconds, but they claim it was nine seconds. And that was a big moment. And they talked about how Bundy broke the record. He carried that around forever until it was broken by, I think, Uncle Elmer at the time. Um, you think back to SummerSlam 1998. Ultimate Warrior squashes the Honky Tonk Man. You mean Matt, 88. What did I say? 98. Sorry, 88. Yeah. Warrior squashes the Honky Tonk Man. Madison Square Garden goes ape shit. That moment still holds up today. You can still watch that moment today and still be entertained by it. Mm-hmm. Um, Asuka beats Dana Brooke in four seconds. A little under. A little under, okay. From, from the first bell to her tap. Yeah. Right, okay. 
breaks any conceivable record for the fastest match in WWE, and in two weeks it's probably going to be forgotten. I'd say. Well, not not for any match in WWE. It's the fastest submission ever and the fastest win without a uh, foreign object or a distraction. There was a foreign object Spike Dudley used on William Regal that got a win, and then there was. Whoa, whoa, uh, whoa, whoa, whoa! How do you beat four seconds? You got the three count. Because. WWE starts the bell in the middle of a count, like it's so lame. Like, what? It shouldn't even count. Yeah, that's what they and did. There was there was a match where Chris Jericho and Jerry Lawler faced Taz and Midian, and Taz got distracted by his own partner because they bring out his partner, and Midian's nuts and wiener are just flopping all over the place. <laughs> and <laughs> naked Midian, yeah, it gets it gets rolled up. So I mean, outside of <laughs> nuts and wiener, Nigel. <laughs> Nuts and Wiener. Yeah, of course. Nuts yeah. and Wiener. He had a full spread. Okay, I want I want a Nuts and Wiener t-shirt. All right? I want a Nuts yeah, and Wiener t-shirt. ProWrestlingTees.com slash <laughs> I did wear my Fightful shirt to, to the show last night, but other than that, that is the quickest. I had a lot of people trying to, oh, no, it wasn't this, this, this. I'm like, all right, guys, this was a straight-up one-on-one match. The bell rang. Mm-hmm. The match happened. As soon as Dana Brooke taps, that's the end of the match. That's it. But um, isn't it telling that a moment like that is going to be forgotten quick? It got a great reaction, and I was happy with that. Yeah. And I think it, it meant more that it happened there, that the main roster was a little more familiarized with her than if they had done it right out of the gate. Right. They could have done it to Emma and used the excuse that's why she left WWE, but hmm. uh, I don't think they knew going in. But I, I think the way that Asuka's been built, is awesome, but yes. No, I wanted. To, I was going to bring this up. So, why is it that you think? So, again, and I, I feel like a broken record on this, but why is it that other big NXT call-ups like Finn Balor, like Bailey, like Shinsuke Nakamura, they drop the ball with all of them creatively, and yet Oscar, they're handling pretty well. Like, how? Where's the disconnect? They haven't given her a mic. I think that's that's. I mean, Nakamura, they gave him a mic. He did not need a mic. No, well, agree. Shinsuke Absolutely. Nakamura does not need a microphone. Agreed. Uh, Finn Balor does yeah. not really need a microphone. No, I agree. Yeah. What he needs is a Gallows and Anderson to his left and to his right. I agree. Absolutely. Elias has worked out very well. My God, that guy has just over-delivered. He had a great match. Did you see that electric chair into a powerbomb he did on Roman Reigns? And they gave him almost 15 minutes. Incredible Almost 15 stuff. minutes. And the heat on his promo yeah. was amazing. It was amazing, you know? Did you see them? Did you see him out there with El Hijo del West Texas Rednecks? We had a Wyndham and a, and a Hennig out there. I never thought about that. I yeah, never thought about that. Virgil's kid out there, wherever he is. They, you know what? They probably could have just hired Virgil. Either that I was going to say, maybe Virgil's kid is in the subway with him in New York peddling uh, uh, autographs. <laughs> Hey, don't bring the yeah. kids into this. Into the <laughs> well, he'd be he'd be adult by now, probably if he exists. Yeah, maybe. Wouldn't he? Well, I'm sure plenty of them exist. Have you heard the stories? Uh, we're gonna move on. So, uh, <laughs> no, but Elias, I I because I, I was gonna talk about Elias later as well, but we'll talk about it now. I think if they book him accordingly, because that's the big asterisk with WWE today. If they book him accordingly, he will be a big star in 2018. Because yeah, that guy, be. the presence that guy has, and when he was cutting that promo, this was one of the rare times they let him do the whole song without cutting him off. And when he was cutting that promo, he would stop and listen to the crowd and the way he looks around at them. And the guy's got presence, man, you know? 
And what then, I appreciate about him is that every match he tries to do something a little bit, little bit different. Right. You, his matches are similar, but there's something different every time you watch an Elias match these days on Raw. That's not easy to do when you're wrestling over 60 times a year on TV. And I also, uh, I'm optimistic because they gave Charlotte her last name back. I'm optimistic they'll bring Samson back because I hate all of the, the cutting of the last names. And, How many uh, have they done it to now? It's well, they been, just did uh, Rowan and Harper, right? Rowan, Harper, uh, Big E, Cesaro, right. Right. Neville. Right. Oh, my Rusev. Like, come yep. on, man. Like, what's the deal? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But, uh, again, they gave Charlotte her last name back, so maybe there's a chance. I, uh, but I think Elias is doing great. I think he's doing great, and I just hope they stay the course. Because, granted, he has been losing matches. Like, he lost to Jason Jordan a couple times. Mm-hmm. But he looked good in losing to Roman Reigns. It's not like he lost in a minute and a half. To me, he's right. a lot like the Miz in that he can lose frequently, but he still he finds ways to keep his heat up. Yeah, but I I would not go down that road with with Elias. Oh, I wouldn't either. Because I see I see main event potential in Elias. I see I definitely see upper mid card type level, yeah. but he's he seems like the kind of guy right now that could challenge down the line for a championship. <clears throat> Agreed. He's versatile Agreed. in and out of the ring, and I I like that. I like him a lot. Yeah, let's go to stupid people. All right. This is a stupid song, it just goes on and on. You might find some meaning, but you would be wrong. Nigel, does your mic work? Yes, it does. Go ahead and plug our uh, our song sponsor, or whatever the hell you want to call them, our credit. Oh yeah, thank you for uh, t- to uh, Trevor Strong for the uh, the Stupid People song. TrevorStrong.org. Oh yeah. That's Thanks for that the credit for that. Song? Is that who did yeah. the song? That's who did the song, Sean. You know, the funny thing is, is I almost forgot his name when, yeah. <laughs> when I was put on the spot. It's because so. I put you on the spot. Yeah. News to me. Yep. So, uh, boy, the last one on my list today, Sean. Can't wait. Can't so, wait. Sometimes I just got to shake my head and question society, you know? Yeah. Uh, okay, this first one. This was reported by Fox 32 Chicago on November 22nd. A high school English teacher from Northwest Indiana was charged after students posted a cell phone video on social media Uh-oh. of her doing drugs in her classroom. Oh, that was far more tame than what I expected. Well, yeah, but the teacher sexual stuff happens in the U.S. every day, so there's no need to mention it. Yeah, that's true. But, uh, uh, what drugs were they? Cocaine. Cocaine? Yeah, if you're a teacher, it's probably the drug you're going to do. In your classroom. Yeah, in your classroom, it's probably the drug you're going to do. Did you watch the video? It's pretty sketchy. I did not watch the video. She was in a corner or something, right? Yeah. 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 So it's were there f- students in the classroom? No, they were standing just outside. I guess they walked by and saw her. I think they just like filmed her through a door or something yeah, like something that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. 24-year-old Samantha Cox. She was uh, charged with felony possession of cocaine as well as a misdemeanor charge of possession of paraphernalia. Uh, what is it with coke these days? Like it's making <laughs> a comeback or something. Like. Like I've had a couple Why, are, 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 are you thinking about I, a side I, business or something, Sean? I've sold. I, well, I've looked into like Jail Tracker and stuff as the local mugshot place around here, and I've seen like some people that I knew that I went to high school with, like getting arrested for coke. And I'm like, what goddamn DeLorean did you hop in to find that <laughs> first time? But like to to go and use it, it's not. You're you jamming out to. Morris Day in the motherfucking time. <laughs> this next one, uh, why is it all these stories always take place in the U.S.? I don't know what it is. So this was reported by the Associated Press on November 27th. One person was killed and 11 people were injured 
when a Jeep Cherokee with three people car surfing on the roof swerved off a road and crashed in Pitcher, Oklahoma. Uh, 27-year-old Brian Mitchell McGurk unfortunately died of his injuries. The two others on the roof were, uh, survived. Nine people in the damn car, Sean. They had nine people in the car and three on the roof, and they all got injured and one passed away. Car surfing. Wow. How does that make... And these weren't 16-year-olds. This was a 27-year-old man. Yeah. If you tell me you, regular, regular surfing is dangerous enough. Right, right. Instead of car surfing in, on a Jeep Cherokee. So, I, I own a Jeep, and there ain't no damn way that I'm... It's, it bounces, and like it's... It's sad to say, but he kind of, he kind of, you know, he kind of had it coming. It's sad to say. I mean, if you're going to do that, you know. You do dumb shit like that. Like, yeah. my mortality is a big fear of mine. Like, I just want science to evolve to where I don't die. Is that no, so you don't much want that. to ask? You don't want that. I do want that. No, you don't remember, want that. I remember watching this little video in class where it was like from the 40s or 50s where some dude caught death in a sack. Uh-huh. And everybody was mad at him because they were like 200 and they hadn't died. I don't care. I want to be that 200-year-old man. You don't want to be that guy. I'm ready. Trust me. No. Because then the world's going to be overpopulated. It's already overpopulated. It'll be even worse. And if you're 200, you would have seen and done it all. You're like, I'm just tired of this shit. Nah, man. I don't have enough hours in the day. Uh, well, we'll see if you're 200 and still doing Fightful.com. Who knows? Hey, we will be. This last one, Sean. Man, so did you ever try Pokemon Go? Yeah, I tried it, yeah. You tried Pokemon a, Go. About a week, yeah. So, this game, and Nigel's laughing because you know the story. This game came out in uh, 2016 mm-hmm. in Toronto, and I'm sure everywhere else too, but in Toronto, it became a massive thing. There were literally people walking into oncoming traffic because they were going after these stupid animated creatures. There were grown men, because the local news would interview these people. There were grown men that would carry around like four or five backup batteries. Oh, man. So that when their one battery died playing the damn game, they could just plug in another one without losing their place. It displayed how stupid... Because you know people are dumbing down, right? Like the next generation is dumbing down. Sure. And this game was living proof of that. So two professors from Purdue University in Indiana did a study. Ironically enough, the study was called Death by Pokemon Go. And the study suggests that the game caused an increase in vehicular damage, injuries, and death due to people playing while driving. Oh, completely buy it. I completely buy it. They only studied one county in Indiana. Just one county in Indiana. Uh, They studied 12,000 accident reports in the months before and after the launch of the game in July of 2016. They also cross-referenced the locations <coughs> excuse me, of what they call Pokestops. Uh, I guess a Pokestop is where, I don't know, you get a creature or something. That's where you go to get a creature. Where you go to get po- supplies. Supplies. Yeah. Pokemon digital supplies. Yeah. Okay. So they cross-referenced the locations of these Pokestops, and they determined that there was a correlation, and that after the game came out, there was a 26.5% increase in accidents within 100 meters of a Pokestop, and all in... It created 134 extra accidents over a 148-day period, resulting in $500,000 in damage, 31 injuries, and two deaths. Because of the stupid game, and I hear, now I don't know if she's listening to this, but uh, a lovely girl in my office by the name of Vachura. Oh boy. Happened to tell me today, not, I hadn't even told her the story, she happened to mention to me today that she had lunch with friends that she plays Pokemon Go with. 
Well, she's going to love the new Harry Potter game. And That's by what the way, she, yes. Batura is on my shit list. Is she? Is she? <laughs> because my wife follows Batura on on the Instagram, you know. Uh-huh. Batura and the rest of your, your team there made a great impression on us. And uh-huh, uh-huh. We're friends on social media now. You know how many goddamn Harry Potter things I have to buy or promise to go do because Vatura's like, check out this Harry Potter bar. In oh, Toronto. she's into all that, really? Oh, so now, you know, the next time we're in <coughs> Toronto, Jimmy, you could fire me tomorrow and I would still have to plan a trip to Toronto to take care of this Harry Potter bar. Well, and now there's a Harry Potter Go game? She told me there's going to be a Harry out? Potter Go game. Damn. And I, I, I am sad for the next generation. <laughs> Because I remember, you remember the Pokemon Go craze in Toronto. Oh, yeah. Harry Potter's going to take it up a notch. Probably. You know? There's going to be grown-ass men running through intersections in downtown Toronto. What's that? came out 20 years ago. Pokemon came out 20 years ago. They're going to be grown people playing it. But what's your favorite favorite Pokemon? You strike me as a Snorlax guy. I don't think I could name (laughs) one. I'm more of a Meowth dude myself because I'm a villain. Do you even know what that is? <laughs> How do you know what that is? That was like right. That was like right during my time as a kid. Okay, Pokemon, I don't, like I don't the know. The height of the Pokemon is, is Pikachu late... one of them? Yeah. yeah okay, yeah. so I know I know Pikachu. Okay. Late '90s was the height of like the it, it, Pokemon uh, stuff. So I was like eight. In all in all seriousness, I adore Vatura, but she did pretty much. I got to take care of to a Toronto Harry Potter bar now. Uh huh. It's a thing. What what else? There was something else about this that I was thinking. Oh yeah. A little story about Harry Potter. I, I am not a Harry Potter guy. So why are we still thought, talking about Harry Potter then? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've watched two of the movies. I uh-huh. went with my wife to watch one of them in theaters, and I fell asleep. Only time I've ever fallen asleep in a movie before. Uh-huh. The first time, I was probably 17. Me and my friend watched the first 15 minutes in French, thinking it was some weird nerd wizard language. Not realizing it was in French until like you watched how much to figure out it was French? Fifteen minutes, like probably yeah. fifteen minutes to figure out it was French. Oh hell yeah, my man! Fifteen minutes. Fifteen minutes. Did you not hear one within the first five minutes, like "Merci beaucoup" or anything to kind of give you an idea? Okay, first off, come a va? You didn't hear nothing. Seventeen, sixteen, seventeen. You're a capable adult at fifteen, sixteen. Canada. I don't live in Canada. French is an internationally recognized language. The alternate language on all of our stuff here is Spanish. Like, that's it. I've never met a French person before. I think we need to move on. We need to move on. So, uh, Aerolux... Just gonna jump right to the next topic yeah. on that one, it's Nigel. For the Still best. in the stupid people segment, right? It took him 15 minutes to figure out it was French. Yeah, that's, that's 15 well, minutes. There was a lot of talking. There was a lot of oh, wizarding. Oh, oh, now there's that, now there was no talking. All of a sudden, dragons Nigel. Dragons and potions and yeah, witches. And yeah, shit. no talking. So uh, Aerolux, which we know is a production company run by Ron and Don Harris. Uh, and they were one of the uh, Impact Wrestling it's creditors. From wizards to Nazis, how I like it. Yeah, well, you said it, I didn't. <laughs> But they were one of the impact creditors that – was it Anthem that paid them off or was it Billy Corgan that paid them yeah, off? Yeah, one of them. Yeah, one of them. They, got they announced – boy, I love talking about really, really bad business decisions on this wrestling podcast, Sean. <laughs> they announced that they uh, their Lucha Libre TV pilot is going to take place Sunday, December 10th. Uh, you know what Lucha Libre is, right? Uh, yeah, I've heard it's, you guys mention it's it. It's Mexican pro wrestling. Yeah. So where else are you going to have a TV pilot for Mexican pro wrestling promotion but in Nashville, Tennessee? (laughs) 
on Sunday, December 10th. It's affiliated with the Crash promotion out of Mexico because Conan is going to be the head writer, and he's the promoter of Crash. A lot of the talent they're bringing in is from Crash. Rey Mysterio is going to be in the main event as part of a tag team uh, tag team match. John Morrison's also in that match. They also announced that Hurricane Helms and MVP are going to be part of this pilot, and their whole plan is to shop the pilot to a, to a network and get a television deal. I say to Ron and Don Harris and to Conan, best of luck, sir, because you guys okay. are dreaming if you think that a television network is going to actually pay you money to air this thing. So imagine, okay, so Rob McCarron and Vince Russo <sighs> used to work for Fightful. Uh-huh. They don't anymore. Yeah. Imagine if they were like, oh, you know what? We can do it better. And they registered fightfuller.com. That's what Aerolux just did. They're like, you know what? I know that wrestling thing didn't work out for us, but we see this Lucha Underground, but they're not doing it right. Mm -hmm. We can do it better. I know they have budget issues. I know they've already got a built-in audience. I know they already have a TV deal. Mm -hmm. I know they already have stuff in the can. Quite frankly, if Lucha Underground wanted to, their entire next season could consist of the, oh, I don't know, six or seven dozen dark matches they have filmed and haven't even used before. Mm -hmm. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't get My it. first question is, so, so okay, so Jeff they're... Jeff Jarrett's so getting involved in this, by the oh, way. Oh, yeah, because him and Conan are tight, so I'm sure he will. So they're targeting the Lucha Libre wrestling fan, meaning they're going to be targeting the southern, certain southern U.S. states, I assume, and in, 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 yeah. in Mexico. They're filming it in Nashville, Tennessee, Sean. What is a Lucha Libre fan going to think? When they tune into this thing from wherever the I, I, I didn't write down the venue, uh, but they're doing this thing in Nashville, Tennessee, and they're filling the card with all due respect to these guys. They're filling the card with guys like Hurricane Helms and MVP and John Morrison. At least John Morrison's been in Lucha Underground, I guess. But how do they possibly think they're going to get a paid TV deal out of this that's going to actually make the money? How is that possible? I, I don't think they thought that far ahead. They just wanted to do it because Lucha Underground was a thing and, and they think there's that target niche market out there somewhere. Man. Yep. Man. Do you think there's any possibility that they already have, like, a line to a network? And do there's any possibility? Well, any time that stuff like that happens, I assume they do, but then they never really do. I mean, Jared didn't. He didn't. Yeah, and... I thought that Jarrett stood a decent chance at maybe finding a way to get back on well, now the Paramount Network yeah. be, but yeah. after his public situations of late, I don't think that that opportunity exists anymore. It wouldn't shock me to see Paramount, former well, soon to be former Spike TV, get involved in wrestling again because they know it can deliver numbers to a degree. But are they going to get involved with Aero Lucha taping out of Nashville, Tennessee? Hell no! By the way, I have people still asking me about. I was going to do a Spike TV long form. When they they moved to Paramount because you know Spike and wrestling yeah just went hand in hand. I had another long form that kind of come came up that I, I'm working on right now, and the the Paramount one is being pushed to next year. But I was talking to some people about that. I was going to talk to some of the people from Slam Ball. Do you remember that? Yeah, vaguely, sort of. Yeah, Slam Ball, the trampoline uh, basketball deal. Okay, okay, had vaguely. some people. Cool people I was going to talk to. Well, you know about. what? If, if Aerolux is funding this, and I think they are since it's called Aerolucha, if Aerolux, <laughs> is, if Aerolux is funding this, uh, and Rey Mysterio doesn't normally come cheap unless he's doing a favor for Conan, 
Just walk away, boys. They are going to era lose a lot of fucking yeah, money. Yeah, walk away. It's a bad idea. It's a bad idea. I don't know why these people... Do they not have a CEO of some sort or somebody with some kind of business acumen that can step in and... Isn't it amazing, Sean? Isn't it amazing? Man. It doesn't surprise me as it pertains to wrestling. Oh, it's unbelievable that these people don't understand the kind of money they're going to lose. Uh, let's talk about Impact Wrestling since we've been talking about brilliant <laughs> business decisions. Now, this is one case where maybe they are doing something right. Um, we, we talked before about the debacle in Ottawa when they decided to do a week's worth of TV in Ottawa. I thought it was a horrible idea. They ended up having to pay uh, background actors to fill seats, um, which negated whatever rental deal they got on the venue. So now they've announced that their next TV taping is going to take place between January 10 and January 15, and it's going to be back at the Impact Zone in Orlando. I think that's probably a wise decision. Uh, I'm sure they're going to end up back in Canada at some point in 2018, uh, just because of the tax benefits and the U.S. dollar and everything. But, uh, man, go back to what's not really worked, but worked better than Ottawa. I yeah, guess. and a lot of refs and wrestlers are local to the area, so if you're bringing people in, right, it's going to be cheaper that way, right, right. Probably more experienced refs locally too than what you were dealing with in Ottawa. I would, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah you know, maybe. you have an audience there, but yeah, thing things are going to look way that roster. It looks way different than it did a year ago. You all wait just a couple of months. It's going to look. By the summer, it's not going to resemble what it does right now. Do you think Impact survives 2018? No. I do not. And uh, I hope they do. I absolutely hope they do. I absolutely hope they, hope do, they do. But no, I do not. Yeah. I think that uh, I think the knife is put in them maybe after Bound for Glory, something like that. Mm. Yeah, they spent a lot of money. And money, I, I money never that I've said that. I don't think I've ever put it out there like, <clears throat> oh, I don't think they'll last past this. I would be very shocked. They were so lucky to see 2017. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, so lucky to find or see 2017. But they just I don't, all they've done is bled bled money. That's all they've done. Yeah. I mean, whatever I whatever the Fight Network's revenues are at, whatever, because I know Anthem has more than just the Fight Network. But whatever revenue they have, they just basically took a big chunk of that EBITDA, threw it into. Uh, into impact wrestling so if they didn't if they didn't have a tape library they would not be around right now yeah i don't even i don't see the value in it that they do i just don't i don't they spent millions of dollars i don't see the either. value. i don't either but uh wwe could be valuable you could release tons of dvds and network oh and they will because that's where it's going to end up so you they could will. go back and repiece Oh my God! WWE could go back and like, okay, you've got Kurt Angle documentaries. And oh, there's a whole bunch: Bobby Roode, AJ Styles, Samoa Joe. And you could retroactively film stuff with those guys and splice it. Like you could resell like revised editions of DVDs and stuff, adding TNA to their career because right. it was such a big part of so many guys' careers. Right, right, for sure, for sure. Okay, it is not yet. A part of a guy named Jack Swagger's career. Although many compare Bellator to TNA, I don't agree with that. Yeah. Bellator's got a Viacom behind them. Mm-hmm. And now uh, Viacom, Bellator, behind Jack Swagger. Just before that announcement, I spoke to Jack Swagger uh, about wrestling, about MMA, about a little bit of everything. Here's our boy, Jack Swagger. When I spoke to Chris DeJoseph of Lucha Underground, he would tell me, like, 
if he pitched 100 ideas, 95 of them would get shot down just right as soon as it happens. Did that happen a lot with you, or did, did they kind of give you uh, a fair amount of creative input? Uh, I think that happens with a lot of the guys up there, um, you know, and it's it's uh, their wrestling company, so they get to make those decisions uh, about it. Um, you know, anything where you put your heart and your, you're definitely your body on a line, of course you would like more creative input on it because no matter what Meryl Streep says, uh, this is an art form. She's not the only artist. Um, and so, of course, you want to have creative input on that art, but it's, you know, kind of one of the things. Uh, you're supposed to dance when you're supposed to dance. <laughs> yeah. So you asked for your release right before WrestleMania. Was there any thought like, I'll ride it out through Mania, get that check, then go, or were you just like, I'm done, I'm ready to go? Um, yeah, I wasn't really thinking. You know, it, it would have been my 10th Mania, too, which is, you know, they were always something. They were always very special. Um, uh, I just... I needed I needed to make a change, and I needed to make that change uh, then. So <clears throat> there, there was no waiting. It, it, when I asked for my release, I'm in it. You know. When we talk, we'll talk about making changes. Uh, there was a WrestleMania, uh, probably one of one of the highlights of your your WWE <laughs> run, winning Money in the Bank, and then two days later, you're world champion. Like something like that comes about. How quick, how far ahead do you know each individual thing is happening? Is it like kind of like you show up the day of and they say it, or do they tell you this is the plan? Yeah, uh, I think today with most storylines, um, they have like some of it planned out a certain ways, but not too far. And then with most storylines, uh, it's kind of like a day to day thing, like they maybe have an idea of where to go with it or some of the guys are working on some ideas on which way to go with it. Uh, but it's all like how they're feeling that day. I feel like when they talk about it um, and that's how it was for me, uh, won it on Sunday and then teased it Monday and then uh, Monday night after raw, I got the call like, Hey, come to Vegas. We're going to need you at SmackDown. And so, like, I kind of had the idea just because it was the Money in the Bank briefcase. Uh, something was going to happen um, then. So I got a little heads up for, just from it being kind of obvious. But other than that, it, uh, I was in the dark until a couple hours before the show. Now, as I was doing my due diligence before this, I noticed LFRlife.com. Yeah. Explain that to me. Let's fucking rage. Cole, can we say that on here? Yeah, of course we can. We don't have to deal with the, we don't have to deal <laughs> with censors. Let's fucking rage. <laughs> um, yeah, so it, it's a couple things. We we got kind of it from a, a favorite movie of ours, Grandma's Boy. Uh, my wife and I. Love that movie. Yeah, that's a good one. And uh, when we were dating three months, uh, we got. I don't know if you could see it, LFR tattoos on our wrists after three yeah. months. And so, you know, did the big couple faux pas that you shouldn't do. 
and you know, luckily she is still here beside me, uh, beautiful than ever. So LFR has kind of been, you know, like our motto and always something that we would say. And like, if you can come up with your own clothing line, you get to name it what you want. I think that sounds pretty cool yeah. to me. Um, so yeah. if it blows up, you all can sell robot legs like the guy wanted on Grandma's Boy. See, you know, being ain't I am a douchebag. <laughs> it was phenomenal. Oh, what a great movie! It was fantastic. Yeah. Also, on your Twitter, it lists you as a chili dog enthusiast and a chocolate milk activist. So I'm going to need your favorite of each kind. Where Where is your go to chili dog, and what is your go to chocolate milk? Uh, the go-to chocolate milk is uh, easy, true moo. It's the creamiest. Yep. It's, uh, you just can't beat it. Um, growing up in Oklahoma, I thought the best brand was Highland, um, which they're, they're good. But uh, true, true moo came on strong last couple years, which I'm very excited to be talking about. <laughs> and uh, I'm always looking for that good chili dog. Um, oof. I can make a mean one myself, a little sauteed onions and garlic in there, but we won't mm -hmm. talk about that. We are back. Old Jack Swagger. I have a few more interviews lined up, including one right after this, but I don't I don't announce them until I get them in the can. But Let me ask you also, this question, Sean. Go ahead. Sorry to cut you off. So Bellator is doing a heavyweight tournament. Yes. Uh, and it's conceivable that one or more of those guys might get injured prior to their fight. Yeah. Do you think there's any possibility that Jack Swagger is going to be an alternate? There's a possibility, but I would say that Justin Wren, who might win the entire tournament, he was on the Ultimate Fighter 10 with Kimbo and Roy Nelson, if you all want to remember back that far, or Bobby Lashley. Both of those men should have been in the tournament anyway. You think Lashley could be an alternate in the tournament? Oh, yeah. He's 5-0 and in Bellator. He's like 16-2, and 17-2 in MMA. But hasn't he been sheltered against not top-flight competition? He's he wants him. He's been he's wanted Fedor. He's wanted all these guys. He I mean, anybody could be. I, I think Nigel can be Fedor. <laughs> yeah, at this point. Yeah. So, so uh, let's talk about this. So uh, this week they announced the names for the two new female groups in WWE. Pa Paige's group is called Absolution. Yep. Which is great, and uh, the the SmackDown group is called Riot Squad with two T's. Uh, Ruby Riot's name now has an extra T on the end of it. And uh, I saw a post somewhere, it might have been Ryan Satin, who said, why the hell did they change her name and add an extra T? I have a theory, Sean. Okay. So there is a punk rock group out of the UK called the Riot Squad. And my theory is that they own the IP. And that WWE decided we really like the name Riot Squad because Ruby Riot's the leader of the group. And I really like that name. And then either they did their due diligence, and I'm familiar with this because whenever I trademark something, uh, my lawyer will do due diligence on it too. So I'm thinking that they like the name Riot Squad. Their lawyer did their due diligence, saw that this punk rock band owns the IP, put an extra T on it in order to get it through, and that is my theory as to why they made the change. Sounds like solid to me. I mean, the character, the name is based off of Ruby Rhodes, who is an actress in America anyway. Right. But uh, yeah, probably. She's out there getting extra letters, and other people are just struggling to hold on to their first or last names right. in WWE. Yeah, no, absolution, I uh, absolution is like eh, dumb, dumb. I uh, I still think, uh, as I said last week, I think Liv Morgan and Mandy Rose are going to be the ones. Aside from Paige, I think they're going to be the ones that get the spotlight because they fit what Vince McMahon typically looks for. 
Uh, although I will say this, and my wife actually pointed this out. Uh, we were we were watching some SmackDown last night, and my wife said, uh, "Sarah Logan reminds me of a young Stephanie McMahon." And, it's hunting season. But does she not look and kind of act like a young Stephanie McMahon? And uh, so maybe she'll hey, get. I'm, I'm fond of her. She's a Kentuckian on WWE programming that isn't Eugene. <laughs> so there we go. Hey, he, nothing, nothing, Eugene nothing got over, Nick man. Dinsmore. Nick Densmore was a, an excellent wrestler, but yeah, the Eugene character. Also, uh, to your point, Frank Mir just opened as a two-to-one betting favorite over Fedor Emelianenko. Yeah, Fedor's got a... You want to talk about a guy that probably has permanent damage and doesn't know it. That would be Fedor Emelianenko. Guy takes one punch and he's out now. So, yep. uh, uh Last but not least on my list today. So... Um, Looks like Matt Hardy is finally bringing back the Broken character, which uh, I, I think they're going to call the Woken character. He uh, lost clean to Bray Wyatt on Raw, and then he sat in the corner doing the delete sign. And since then, there have been little things here and there, like uh, Senior Benjamin, who I believe is his father-in-law, right? Yes. He's, uh, he's started posting little teasers on Twitter, and um, the belief is that him and Bray are going to have a program, maybe while they're waiting for Jeff Hardy to come back. Him and Bray are going to have a program. Now, let me ask you this question. I couldn't help but notice that the reaction from the live crowd to Matt doing the delete and all that wasn't it wasn't overwhelming, Sean. It will be. You think it will be? Yeah, it will be. You think the WWE audience is going to get behind it the way that the TNA audience did? Yes. Hmm. Because there is barely a TNA audience. So if any of them get behind it, <laughs> then it will be. I think it's going to be polarizing one way or another, just like it was last year. Mm-hmm. And I remember having phone conversations with Matt where he said he knew it was going to be polarizing, and he laid it out for me. And he was like, people are going to think it's so bad mm. that it's good, and some people will think that it's so good that it's bad, vice versa. And it worked, and it became a big, huge deal for him. So, I mean, I'm cool with the character aspect of it. I thought that the, the pre-tape stuff they did where they were – weren't they like – flying into volcanoes and shit. Um, I mean, I thought that stuff was kind of ridiculous and over the top. Like, I, I am the type of wrestling fan. I do not think that uh, Breezango's gimmick, I'm not into it, the, the, the tapes they do. I just don't find it entertaining. The latest one they did, Sod or whatever it was called. I'm not into it. I think it's stupid. I thought that they made a funny joke about beating the dead horse. I thought that was very funny. Yeah, and that, and, and, that, good. And that might maybe spell the end of it. Maybe. Being self-aware is very, very important. Like, Yeah, maybe. I've ran into MMA fighters that I thought were a joke because they wear, like, kimonos and the headbands and they, they'll post videos on YouTube of them trying to break bricks and failing. Right. But they're not self-aware. They're doing it trying to be tough and they're, they're, they don't, they're not in on their own joke. So they're failing, WWE, they're failing uh, unintentionally. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. If WWE is in on their own joke, this stuff can be very, very funny because... There have been a lot of quips, and man, Matt Hardy's going to be really valuable creatively to whoever gets him afterwards. Because you think about, he was successful as a teeny bopper wrestler. He was successful. He was even successful as an enhancement talent because they they liked him so much. He was successful as Matt Hardy version one. He got fired and made it one of the biggest angles of his career. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You look back at the stuff with him and MVP, that was one of the most underrated feuds of all time when they were just time. competitive. Yeah. And last year, he had Big Money Matt, which was an awesome character, an awesome way to go. 
And he was like, no, I see potential in this, so I'm going to go this way. And right. he abandoned a fairly fresh, awesome, hot character right. to do something uh, that was a little risky. So a lot of respect for that. And Yeah, he definitely lives for the business. He lives for the he business. Does. And my favorite Matt – I've never been a huge Matt Hardy fan, but I respect him. And my, my favorite Matt Hardy – I don't just want to call it character. I guess more like an angle – is when he did version one and he was trying to cut weight to make the cruiserweight limit. Oh, yeah. I loved it when he was doing that. And he was like on the stationary bike backstage before a weigh-in. Yes. I loved it. I loved it. and Because uh, especially Matt Hardy's a big dude. Yeah, he's, you know? he's got such a dry sense of humor too that can work. But yeah, yeah. Now he, he was um, able, he's able to set people up for I mean like in twenty years if his kid never wrestles his kid can do autograph signings now yeah. at wrestling conventions he brought him up for Starcade too you see that I didn't see that that's awesome yeah so the, so he had a couple of videos one was his kid kept on climbing the steps to go through the curtain backstage yeah. and Matt had to keep grabbing him to pull him back and when he did the kid would have a tantrum so yeah. finally when the Hardys had their entrance uh, Matt brought him out with him. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> so, so uh, and I guess the last thing is, so if, if the speculation holds true, and if it is going to be a program with Bray Wyatt, um, do you think that that could, could hurt Matt's ability to get over because of the fact that Bray's pretty stale, or do you think that that could reinvigorate Bray Wyatt? I think it could reinvigorate Bray Wyatt, because mm. how much worse can you get? His promo again, man, same shit on Monday. Same Alex shit. told me that it wasn't because he's never came out and said, you're all dead. And I'm like, no, I've just felt dead inside every time he cuts a damn promo. It feels the same. It feels the same. That's the problem. You know, everything he it's, does feels the same. You're so cool, man. Yeah. I Go loved Ray Wyatt. Go slash Fightful, man. <laughs> then you will be cool. <laughs> That's actually not a bad Bray Wyatt impersonation. I you know, I've done a little voice work in my day. That's not bad. That's not bad. I haven't uh, had glasses guy in a while. I'm going to have to bring him back one of these days. <laughs> well, it's nothing quite like when I let people know that this weekend, USC 218 <laughs> is going to have live coverage and discussion on Fightful.com. Braun Strowman won't be there, but he'll probably be giving us those clickety clacks. <laughs> Guys, make sure you all check that out. Uh, one of the contests that I'm going to run, anybody who comments on our live discussion of UFC 218 Saturday will be eligible. Head over there, do that. We will be picking a winner at random from the live discussion page of UFC 218. Drop by there, talk about the fights, make your predictions, anything you want, uh, completely at random. I will be making a selection for the Ric Flair autograph figure. If your name is John, all the boy, better. that's a win for you. Yeah, all the better. <laughs> that's a win-win if your name is John. Absolutely. Oh, hell yeah, it is. Yep, yep. What else you got going on this week? Uh, that's it, man. I'm still working on my renovations. Yeah. So uh, I'm heading over there on Friday to see what's going on and uh, taking my wife out for, for her birthday dinner on Saturday night. Happy birthday to her. That's awesome. It's actually not going to be her birthday yet. When is it? Uh, technically her birthday is on the 6th, but when you have two little kids and you have to work around babysitter schedules. Wednesdays don't happen. Wednesdays uh, don't happen. No, you do the dinner when you can do it. So we're doing it on Saturday. Yeah. Well, happy birthday to her. Either way, I'll tell her again next week. How about that? There you go. There you go. Because I am a, I am a kind person, but guys head over to fightful.com register, go to those forums. Last week 
I posted a members-only podcast. It's a Fightful Books It Royal Rumble Changes. Now, you can only get that if you go over to Fightful.com, register absolutely free. You'll get that. You'll get the forums. You'll get everything else that we have there. Uh, I took a look at some changes, some alterations I would make to the Royal Rumble match. It's been 30 years, and occasionally they'll make changes like they'll put a title shot on the line. They'll change the intervals. They will change the number of participants. I made a lot of uh, adjustments that I would love to hear your guys' feedback on. So check that out. Hit me up on Twitter. Let me know what you all think. Or even better, hit me up on the forums and let me know what you think. I will start a uh, forum topic on that as well with a link to the show in case you all can't find it. Until next time, guys, follow Jimmy at JimmyVan74. Follow myself at Sean Ross Sapp. Follow us at Fightful Online. Subscribe, like, thumbs up. ProWrestlingTees.com slash Fightful. We're out. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.